And we're back. Another exciting episode here of the Sing Second Podcast. We're inching closer to the bowl games as uh, championships are being decided of matchups and things like that. Um, some teams getting in because the their, their conference is changing the rules all of a sudden, so that way they potentially get a uh, at-large Birth or a, a Big Ten championship birth. Yeah, why, why aren't we just outing the Big Ten? I know I should be quiet, but why are we just saying <laughs> Ohio State? I, I, you know, mysteries, but, you know, it's not very good mystery when it's very obvious. Um, but as we inch closer to bowl season, we inch closer to that one-year anniversary that is the Sing Second podcast. And so some of us maybe thought, you know, we may not be here in a year, and yet here we are. And as we inch closer – to those bowl games, we inch closer to our namesake, the Sing Second Podcast. This Saturday, we've got the Army-Navy football game. And even though it will look a little di different because there's like a dozen, 15, 20 extra games on this Saturday that are not supposed to be there, you know that we'll still be repping that Army-Navy game. And so as we get ready for this Army-Navy special episode, make sure you grab your Nebraska land snacks, your Nebraska land drinks, and get ready to enjoy the show. But before we jump too far into Army, Navy, Kyle, what's good? Uh, it's, it's the holiday season, guys. And Why are you walking around your house? <laughs> because my internet, for whatever reason, is a little shoddy. And I, I really wanted to make sure that this what's good is, is, is getting to all the listeners as clearly and as crisply as possible. It's starting to feel like an episode of MTV Cribs right now. <laughs> yeah well uh, off the pod i showed you guys my new kobe bryant mural so uh here's my kitchen so i, I know this is a audio medium and and danny's kind of making this pretty awkward but uh sorry no, it, it's the holiday season guys and i don't know what it is about it but there's times where i'll find myself driving 15 20 minutes just around town looking at christmas lights and I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if it's it's COVID related. I don't know if it's because we've had unreasonably warm weather for this time of year. But the town of North Platte has seemed to really step up its game in terms of the Christmas light decorations. And and I don't know. That's the one thing that's kind of making this feel like the Christmas season. We doesn't look like we're gonna have much snow. Uh, gatherings are gonna be a lot smaller. But my God, I, I there's nothing more than I like to do than then just maybe buy a hot chocolate from McDonald's and just spend about 30 minutes driving around town looking at Christmas lights. So uh, that's my what's good. Okay. It's kind of getting me in that Christmas spirit. We got about a week and a half left to school. That's really getting me into the Christmas spirit. And uh, yeah, Christmas lights, pretty cool, pretty cool things to look at. We, we've been in the Christmas spirit on this podcast for a very long time. I think you're right. I think everyone like in November decided that it was just, the Christmas season and everybody took some of those nice days over Thanksgiving to put their Christmas lights up. But for some reason I waited till the first cold day right after Thanksgiving. So um, not a smart move here, but I think you're right, Kyle. Lights are everywhere. Are you guys, obviously Danny, you just said you had some up. Uh, anybody else? You guys got the Christmas lights on the house or Christmas tree up? What? We got our, all our stuff up. I'm a little disappointed on the, up on the second floor of our house. I tried to do something different with those, uh, meteor shower, you know, lights. Yep. 
and the freaking wind keeps blowing them up onto the roof. So then after I go outside, get them all strung down, put them back up again. So the second floor is not as good, but I feel like the first floor is, is pretty solid, but it, it bothers me right now, just knowing that there's some of those icicle meteor shower lights blowed up on the top of the freaking roof of our house right now and that people can't see them all. Yeah, that's probably what it's like in a real meteor shower, though. Like, you don't know where they're going to come down. Yeah, I'd be equally stressed in a real meteor shower <laughs> as I am with this. Like, I know this is my second year in my, my current house, and I might have even mentioned it on, on the pod. I haven't haven't quite figured out, like, the, the optimal uh, way to set up my Christmas lights. Like, it's still a work in progress. You see some houses around town, and you can tell they just have it figured out like the strands and exactly where they need to the colors just pop they they don't have four or five different color white <laughs> like it just mine's a little bit of a hodgepodge i've i i don't have a plan and then therefore when i get the christmas lights out everything looks different and i'm one of those things like i really appreciate other people's work than my own because i'm just i'm just not there yet I like year one when we go, when we did our house, I don't know if it was the same with you, but I see my Clark Griswold esque, you know, vision in my head. And then I go and buy it all from the store and it's like, it's how much, you know? (laughs) And so then I go through and then it's like, I miss uh, count how many extension cords and adapters I need. And so I'm like having things plugged into things that are probably not even the way they're supposed to be, you know, to, to save, cost on that and then the next year i'm like okay i'm gonna buy a few more extension cords and try to have this a little bit so like the more years i've been in in the same house like i i start to kind of map it out a little better over yeah. time and and spend a little more that way yeah my grandpa was it was huge in the christmas lights and if i can find a good picture i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet it out on the on the twitter page because it is it was awesome but like he he was an electrician. He wasn't really even a handyman, but like he would, he would rig these things up and he would splice wires together. And if the lights went out and they were too long, he'd cut the wires and splice them. Uh, when we were cleaning out of his garage and trying to get rid of some of this stuff, we found multiple wires of Christmas lights that had two male ends on them. Like he plugged them in on both sides. Of them. My my uncle and I were just sitting there and we were laughing at each other because his house probably should have burned down four to five different times. But the finished product was something to really, really behold. So if I find the picture, I'm going to tweet it out because it was awesome. And that kind of gets me into the Christmas spirit, too. Sometimes if you're lucky, your neighbor's house will be a little bit close or maybe they'll have a tree close and you can kind of sneak one of your strings onto theirs, you know, and kind of kind of leech off the neighbors, you know, yeah, so exactly. I'd, I highly recommend that as good financial <laughs> advice for you uh, listeners out there. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to have to buy the extra cords and stuff or pay for the electricity, just use the neighbors, community lights and electricity. Yeah. So although we probably talked Christmas lights for the last three pods, I, it just puts me in, puts me in the right mood, puts me in the mood to talk college football, but uh, Brandon, what, what's good with you? Well, this, I think Friday, on, I saw on Disney Plus, there's a little college football related movie coming out called The Safety, or maybe it's just called Safety, and it's about a Clemson safety 
when I first saw that, I was like, please be about Brian Dawkins. Please be about Brian Dawkins. It's not about Brian Dawkins. But uh, it's about a former Clemson player who's um, like mom kind of got into drugs and everything and she couldn't take care of his younger brother. So his brother uh, stayed with him on campus at Clemson. It was when uh, Bowden was their head coach. And coming out this Friday, I, I didn't see it until today advertised on TV. And I'm kind of excited about a little Clemson college football movie on Disney+. Plus. Is this the is this the Bowden that was head coach, uh, who got fired and Dabo took over yep. as interim? Yeah, because at first I was like, "Ooh, I wonder if this is the year Dabo started." And then I looked at the year, and it was a couple years left. But yeah, that that Bowden. So maybe Sweeney is a assistant. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm sure if, if I know Dabo, and I think I do, he'll he'll try to find a way to to weasel his his way on, on screen. <laughs> What are you trying to say? He's a douche. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right, it's Fran, Minnesota make sure you week. edit that out. <laughs> it's Minnesota week, and we're going to pick on, on Dabo and, and not PJ Fleck. I, it's like the Spider-Man meme. We've been over it. It's like <laughs> one point I will say, one, I, the other I point see the a, other. I did see a clip of that, and I couldn't tell if, that, if it was like real footage that they were using of Clemson, and I couldn't tell if it was a – fictional story or, or a true one I'm, I'm still not sold if if i'm excited or planning on watching that one or not but i don't know i watch it what's good with you danny what's good with me well i do want everyone to know that uh even though that we've we've been recording on zoom for the last i don't know six months or whatever um i decided to bring out the the microphone that that started this all uh, one, one of the first things that happened on this podcast was after Brandon decided that we were going to start recording these things, um, he all, it, it was kind of in that gray area where we were like, are we really going to do this? Is this the thing we're just going to talk about? And then all of a sudden, Brandon tells us he's bought some equipment and, and we all got microphones and, and other uh, equipment for the podcast. And I hadn't hadn't even looked at this thing for a long time. So I brought it out. I'm currently talking into a microphone that's not plugged into anything. Um, but it really, it really, and it took like 10 minutes, uh, into our, our meeting today for Brandon to realize that I was talking in a, to a microphone that's not plugged into anything, but, um, I'd recommend uh, to all you guys just get the microphone out. It makes it feel so much more professional, right, Andy? Well, I, my question is, is that, like a planned talking into a microphone that's not plugged in. Is that even close to having your microphone plugged in, but not turned on? <laughs> like, how's that relate to our, our previous situation? Yeah, that was one of the, one of the great moments of the sing second pod was when we uh, got deep into the recording and, and Andy, um, I think, was it Kyle that, that figured that one out? <laughs> yeah. I, there, I knew there was an Andy joke there that I wanted to make, but it's much better when you can be a little bit more self-deprecating. So I was glad that Andy brought it up. But well, now if if we could do that while we're going over Zoom, that would be impressive to know yeah. that hey, your mic's not on from you know blocks and blocks away, instead yeah. just sitting next to somebody in the D Street Studios. I was I was going to ask to make sure the 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 on switch was flipped up because you never know. I actually purposely turned this microphone off just in case it was like 
you know, <laughs> catching any sounds. But really, what's good, and and uh, I know Annie's going to introduce. We we did we do have a guest uh, today. She's uh, elephant in the room. Haven't heard from him yet, but his time's coming. Um, but he's he's a college football guy, or, or really a football uh, in general guy. But I do want everyone to know that uh, the the first time I did meet Tyson uh, was he was a JV soccer player uh, when when I was a JV coach uh, as a freshman. And really, uh, he, was, he was a good player, a uh, good center midfielder. I believe he was number 10. Um, and then never saw him out for soccer again. So maybe at some point we'll get, uh, get down to, to why uh, Tyson decided his soccer career was over after freshman year. But uh, I'm excited to, to, to be talking to this guy a little bit about football. Um, but I'll throw it to Andy. Uh, Andy, what's good with you? Well, gee, thanks for uh, stealing this sweet intro I was going to do, but whatever. Uh, college basketball is what's good. I know we, we talked about it last week, but uh, we recorded these on Wednesdays. And uh, last night, we had three straight top 25 matchups. Creighton and Kansas tipped off at 4 o'clock. Uh, then it went, uh, oh, shoot, I just lost it. But, like, there's back to back to back. And then it uh, finished off with, uh, Duke in Illinois, and I was uh, Iowa in North Carolina. Iowa being the number three team in the nation. That seems weird in, in basketball to me. It'd be weird in football too, but uh, even weirder in basketball. And so, you know, just having every every night a, a pretty big game here or there has been kind of fun to uh, weave in with, with pretty good football. And so as we kind of look forward to um, – talking about last week's football slate there was one basketball game though that I just really enjoyed seeing the score come across more than the others and uh, last night Fort Hayes State Division II team uh, played Kansas State uh, Kansas State being like one and two on the year or whatever and it was at Kansas State and Fort Hayes Fort Hayes State beat Kansas State by 13 points on Kansas State's home floor and so uh, that was going to be my sweet intro into into Tyson's what's good because Tyson uh, we're going to dub him our junior junior field reporter if you would uh, since he's actually been to a game uh, he went to the Kansas State Texas game uh, which was a shootout of football games in, in the Big 12 last week but uh, Tyson welcome to the pod longtime listener first time caller what's good hey well thanks again guys for letting me uh, talk a little football with you you know, I just ever since the, the show started about a year ago, you know, it was kind of every once in a while that it'd be posted and, you know, we'd always have it going during our golf games. And I, I swear it always still helps me golf just a little bit better. But now that we're out of that season and, uh, you know, out of football and out of wrestling here, uh, well, actually we're about midway through the middle school wrestling season and working through the high school season. We always, uh, or excuse me, I always find myself turning it on on the ride home. Uh, Thursday night after practice. So uh, always good to listen to. And uh, once again, guys, congrats on a year. That's awesome. Uh, talking some good college football. Uh, you know, that being said, don't have a whole lot to say. Just once again, appreciate it. And, you know, we'll kind of get into that Kansas State game here as we go. And all I have to say is if anyone was watching that game in general, if you're a Big 12 football fan, uh, that's exactly what you got. A lot of offense, limited defense, and uh, incredibly high scores. So, but what was the very, final score of that game? 
it was 69 to 31. Yeah. <laughs> so, and as the game went on, I, I went with a couple friends down there and the friend that was actually a pretty big K state fan as the game went on, you could definitely see it uh, wearing on him as we, as we went, but he refused to leave. So we watched the whole thing. Nice. Now Tyson, uh, you go to what a, a Kansas state game every year. Yep. Yep. We'll go, we'll go two years ago. We kind of started the whole thing. We went to the, the Sunflower Showdown or Farmageddon, as they call it, K-State and uh, Kansas Showdown, always just, a, you know, always going to be Hold hit or up. miss Far- on what you see. Farmageddon is K-State, Iowa State. That's what they call it anyways. I've seen T-shirts with Kansas and K-State all over it. Nope, that's what my longtime buddy, that's what he says. It's Farmageddon. So, so Big 12 has, like, deemed themselves like a triangular for, for this bowl game setup they've got where it's K-State, Iowa State, Kansas, or how's that? I'm well, just confused. Allegedly, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Like I said, I just listen to what the big K-State fan says. I tell him about Nebraska stuff, and he tells me about the K-State going on. So I just go off of him. But otherwise, <laughs> I'm a secondary fan, but, you know. Anywho, so you went to K-State, Kansas that first year. Which game did you go to last year? Uh, we went to TCU, Kansas State last year, and then the year following this year, we had to follow it up with something big during COVID season to really, you know, bring some positivity to our lives, I guess. We went to watch uh, K-State take on Texas, hoping for an upset, but we didn't quite get that. <laughs> and so I think the reason why uh, I was so intrigued to have you on, and we've kind of avoided covid talk as much as we could just because it's everywhere and whatnot. Um, we even talked about going to UNK versus Shadron State a couple of weeks ago, um, but with the dial just being so high, you know, it's not really worth the risk. What was so different from those first two times going to the K-State game to this time against it? Probably even the biggest foe they've played, but it didn't match up with the atmosphere and whatnot. Yeah, so – you know, to kind of set the tone and everything, we always drive to Omaha the night before, which is where my K-State buddy fan lives. Then that morning, it's always 11 a.m. kickoff, it seems like. We'll head straight down to Manhattan, down the, the curvy highway with those 25-mile-per-hour turns, which you got to be awake for. So always, always got to be ready for that. Uh, there's a specific parking lot we always park in every single game day uh, for the first two years. You know, it's, it's packed. And what the, the cool thing is is they always have – a plethora of visiting fans. So we show up the first year, we got our makeshift K-State stuff on. We just bought downtown 30 minutes ago before we show up and, you know, we're talking a little trash and then next year it's TCU and they're excited for the purple out. And I guess we are too. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And then this year we show up to the same parking lot and uh, there's about three other cars there with a few Texas fans tailgating. And to get into this lot, you're always having to pay $20. It's the same, you know, every year. And, there's the official K-State, uh, you know, the, the ticket takers or whoever you want to call them out there in their purple vest, big smile on their face. Uh, and then this time we get there, we see there's a few fans in there. There's kind of a couple college kids with some ragtag traffic vests on. We're not even sure if they're part of this, you know, and we reluctantly hand them our $20. We park and we just make our way to the stadium. So not a lot of people to talk to on the way. Uh, we get to the game. You know, usually we're there when it's, it's later in the season, so they have Harley night or something else going on. And uh, it just so happened this year they had senior night. And I, excuse me, I should say senior morning. And uh, with incredibly limited fans there, 
uh, 25% capacity. You wouldn't even know it's that, uh, you know, they introduced the seniors and, you know, there's just so little, you know, fan, uh, you know, interaction there, anyone clapping that they have to get the soundboard to do the clapping and everything. And, you know, it's just borderline depressing. Some of those seniors, you know, they've been here, uh, been there for, you know, maybe five or an extra year, you know, after that. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, but the game gets started and it's pretty, uh, pretty big, uh, big 12 fashion, lots of scoring right out of the gate. You know, Texas does what they do best. And I guess that's just pile on the points on, uh, four teams because they uh, scored 17 right away. K-State put seven on and the game just continues. And, you know, usually whenever you go to a football game, you're just ready for all of the, the crowd noise to jump in. And then you have, you know, the game swaying back and forth. And, you know, it just wasn't a factor. And it's it's just kind of borderline depressing, you know, and especially with, the uh, you know, those Texas fans there. We had a few behind us just yelling, just run up the score, keep it going. And Sam Ellinger did just that. And by the third quarter, it's about 66 to 31, I believe. And, you know, we're, we're tough fans, I guess, so we stick it out. And, you know, early on in the fourth quarter, Texas basically put the nail in the coffin by having their uh, kicker there, Cameron. Uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker is his name, uh, nailing a field goal to make it 69 to 31. And uh, at that point, I saw my friend, his, his face kind of, he accepted what was going on. And uh, from that point, we uh, took off. But with no fans being there, you know, there's just – there's no swaying back and forth. You know, you just felt Texas was in control the whole time. Any call that happened, there wasn't booing. There wasn't anyone, you know, really saying anything. More K-State fans were either on their phone or looking down at Cameron Dicker to see what he was doing. Early in the game, he's kicking extra points, you know, on the sideline into the net. Then he moves to punting. Then the game gets so bad, he starts – snapping it and then throwing it around with the quarterbacks with all of his special teams buddies cheering him on. So, you know, it's just, it's just a different experience. That's what I'll say. Uh, a huge bummer. And I hope COVID leaves because I'm ready to get back and see some normal college football. Now. And so uh, you sent a couple pictures and it looked like you're pretty central with your, with your seats. What, how were you spread out? I mean, were your seats, did you sit in your specific seats or did pretty much just say you've got general mission, you've got to be in this confined area or you can't be this close to other people? How'd the seating look? Yep. So we just bought some cheap seats and we kind of sat wherever we wanted and there was actually nobody really monitoring anyone. So, you know, we kind of moved towards the middle a little bit more. And then at that point, you know, we kind of realized we, during halftime, we could have moved down even a little bit further, but we had a pretty good view up there and you know, I mean, it was just pretty much a free-for-all. And by the time, you know, the game kind of was, you know, it, it looked a little bit out of hand. A lot of people left anyway. And, you know, I'm even looking down into the bowl. Not many people even sitting near the field is is too bad. <laughs> uh, have you guys planned next year's opponent since you've had Purple on Purple? You've gone the, the Sunflower Showdown. You've gone – uh, now orange and purple. Is there, is there a team that your buddy really wants to see next year come to town or? Well, we always kind of, you know, we'll just try to pick out someone new. And I don't remember quite this year if that Iowa state game was in Manhattan. I think it was on the road at Iowa state, but uh, you know, me just being a Midwest fan and you know, I think every Nebraska fan in one way or another, at least, you know, has a heart for maybe Iowa state. I don't know. But just seeing those two Midwest teams duke it out, 
you know, I just, with Nebraska being a little bit down, you always try to find someone else to kind of watch or, or enjoy a little bit. And, you know, I've always kind of seen Iowa State as that team. So, you know, just someone new next year, and we'll kind of see how that goes. Tyson, I know you've been to a lot of college football stadiums and, and you've, you know, gone to games in different places. Uh, if there's a stadium that you've been to, either visited on a trip or seen a game in, that you could be at when it's full capacity, you know, big game, the, the crowd is, is, is full go, what stadium would it be? Well, I would definitely say if there was one place to go. I it better not just, be Nebraska. <laughs> no, be it's something different it's, than Nebraska. It's definitely not Nebraska, no. Uh, I'll tell you what, it was probably one of my most bitter stories, and I think I, I shared a picture maybe at some point, but uh, my wife and I, we uh, were going to actually Liberty University. It's not Liberty, but we were going to up to Liberty. We have a friend that uh, is going to medical school there. And as we were helping him in, we just kept hitting all these different college football towns. And, you know, you just, you can't beat Notre Dame, you know, just touchdown Jesus there. You know, the story with Rudy, you know, Brandon's last podcast where he was just really talking him up. He got me excited there. You know, that might've swayed my decision a little bit, but uh, you know, you just can't beat Notre Dame. And, we couldn't get on the field because they're hosting the masters that year uh, or that day that year. And we just, we couldn't get in, we couldn't squeeze in, but we could see it from a distance. Uh, you know, I just, I don't think there is probably a better atmosphere out there. So right. I, no. about the rest of you guys, if you could, if you could visit a stadium that was packed full, big game, anything, anything stick out? I'd go Notre Dame or the big house probably. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's crazy just thinking about all the, the kind of cool places you could go it, that most of them are in the Big Ten. Like oldest, obviously, besides uh, besides Notre Dame, but kind of that those those older programs that uh, you kind of think about with the hundred thousand. Uh, it, it's torn down now. And again, it will come back to my my love for Miami, but just from what I heard, like if you could go to a game in the old orange bowl, like if you could have went to one of those 93, uh, like that 93 orange bowl when we were playing Miami down there, like I think that would have been a, a pretty sweet game to go to. All righty. So as we kind of wrap up a little, uh, K-State talk, maybe the only K-State talk we'll ever have on the Sing Second Pod, as long as they keep going five and four or whatever they end up going this year. Uh, Tyson got one question for you since it is Army-Navy week. Who you got? Army-Navy. All right. I've heard a lot of different, you know, different things on the podcast itself and watched a few games. Uh, you know, I, I've seen both those teams play Tulsa this year, which – uh, actually ended up uh, Navy coming back and winning that, and Army uh, did not do so well. But I can't go against Vegas on those picks. I think that Army's that uh, they're maybe a seven-point favorite. Is yeah. that what it is? But, uh, you know, I just see that seven and two record as, as something that's, you know, pretty profound. And my, with my last words and my, my one pick, I'm going Army. All right. That doesn't sound too bad. Thanks, Tyson, for hopping on. Uh, definitely interested in that uh, road trip you kind of alluded to there, seeing all the Big Ten schools and ACC schools as you as you traveled all the way across to Virginia on that road trip uh, last year. So maybe in the offseason this year, we'll have you back on to, to hear more of that story. But again, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, 
I guess go army for you there, so, so you can be undefeated in your in your career pick 'em there. Uh, but no, as we move forward, uh, last week we had the uh, four games that Liberty Coastal Carolina game was canceled. It turned into Coastal Carolina BYU, which uh, may have been the if you unless you talk about Cincinnati, the mid major group of five championship. Uh, Coastal Carolina ended up pulling that one out against BYU in a, in a pretty good slobber knocker. But uh, Nebraska-Purdue, Nebraska ended up winning that one, so we all got it right except Danny. Uh, Louisiana-Appalachian State, Danny picked Louisiana. We all picked Appalachian State, so Danny evened it back up. Uh, Indiana beat Wisconsin, so we all lost that game. And then Colorado beat Arizona, and so we all gained a point back. Uh, so we all went 2-2, two and two, and – so that made our standing stay the exact same. Uh, this weekend, since it is Army-Navy, we're going to spend a little more time on that game. So we're only doing three games. Uh, the first one we'll obviously talk about is Minnesota at Nebraska. And so Nebraska um, opened up at like a 10.5-point favorite, which much like that Illinois game, uh, anytime Nebraska's a double-digit favorite, I, I just kind of – you know, that just sounds like nonsense to me, especially the last, you know, five, six years or so. Um, but Minnesota, two and three, they've had their last two, three, four games canceled because of COVID. Um, Nebraska, the last two games, arguably the best they've played all year uh, with a close loss at Iowa and then coming out and scoring 17 points in the first five minutes against uh, Purdue last week. And so uh, our resident Husker fan, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Just kind of your thoughts last week and maybe a quick pick against Minnesota. Yeah, I, 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 you, uh, didn't get to watch the game because we were on the we were traveling. That's the one game you're supposed to watch every week, and you couldn't do that. Yeah, I know it. I was in the middle of uh, of coaching a basketball game, so didn't get to watch. But I watched it on rewind, and I got to listen to part of it. Uh, Obviously, the the start it was kind of shocking when when somebody showed me what the score was. I think when I saw it, it was at the end of the first quarter, something like that, and it was seventeen to three. And I was like, "Oh wow, got off to a great start." And then when I rewatched it, I didn't realize that it was seventeen to three with ten minutes left. So as I was kind of watching it back, I was just kind of waiting because I knew it ended up being pretty close. Just seeing what happened to kind of allow the wheels to fall off a little bit, but. I don't know. I, I'm obviously pretty pretty positive when it comes to the Huskers, and I think I think you got to start somewhere. I know last week I compared it to the to the Indiana program, where it it really just takes a couple of guys outperforming, maybe their recruiting rankings are kind of outperforming where where people thought they were going to be, and you win a couple of games that you're not supposed to, and then the momentum picks up and it just kind of starts to steamroll that way. So if everybody's going to continue to be so negative, you're, you're never going to allow this team to, to kind of start that upswing. And as we were coming back from the game, I was listening to the big red, big red reaction show where you have all these, these people calling in and complaining about one thing or the other. And uh, I wasn't mad when I called in, but I tried to, <laughs> I, I gave the phone number a dial and, I was sitting on hold for a long time and I just got impatient. I never got on the radio, but I just want to know, like a lot of the complaints are like, Oh, Nebraska, they were too chippy. You, you just, that's not what Nebraska does. Or they were complaining about one thing or the other. And it's like, 
you, you can't complain about these losses that we have and then get mad at the players for being excited when they win. Everybody says we just need to learn how to win. We just need to get on a roll. And they, they play well and they win, and you find something to complain about that. Like, it's, it's no wonder why not just guys at Nebraska because it happens to every school, but it's no wonder why these guys never want to stay in one place for very long because people love you when you sign your letter of, of uh, commitment. And then as soon as you get here, they, they can find things to complain about you. Like, granted, do I want personal foul penalties and targeting penalties? No, but I, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Like, I honestly think that our defensive backfield has to be feared because those guys come in and hit people hard. And so, like, I love watching those guys fly around. Cam Taylor Britt's quickly go, shooting up my, my favorite. He's, my, he's my favorite player on the roster right now. Yeah. Easily. And, easily my favorite player now and he's kind of shooting up the list of my favorite players of all time just because again he he, he's obviously good and plus man I I just love when you have a defensive backfield that's physical and so like I said I'm coming away from from that game pretty pleased because people say oh it's just Purdue but it was just Illinois and Illinois beat us bad so again we we got to start somewhere and one win against Purdue is as good a place to start as any. Here's so when you say we got to start somewhere, like I actually feel like our season's just starting. Like we're, I feel like we're getting momentum a little bit right now. Just so you know, before you you know how many more games we have left. One, two, possibly two, but maybe three champions week, man. Everybody plays in champions week. I literally, you guys texted about that. I know nothing about, this champions week. So I, I didn't either appreciate kind of a cool thought. We don't have to do it right now, but we can maybe a little bit later after we're done talking about this game and the Minnesota game, just kind of whoever has a feeling of what this champions week actually is. You guys could give a little rundown of that, but um, I don't know. Are we still talking about Purdue? Or are we going to, we get to move on to uh, PJ Fleck week yet. A- Andy, you probably have some thoughts about Nebraska Purdue. No, I thought, you know, uh, come out and block a punt the first of uh, the first drive. I mean, that's something that Nebraska never has happened. They're usually pretty conservative. Uh, it sometimes bit us uh, in, the be- in the rear end when that Illinois punter faked the punt on a, oh, look, no one's there, and just stopped punting it and ran for 15 yards, which has been our longest rush of the year. Um, but, you know, I thought the defense has done their, the defense. They've played great this whole year. Uh, the points haven't really matched the defense because the offense hasn't really pulled their weight a little bit. And so, you know, I, for, for what it's worth, I thought the defense did, you know, continue their strides forward. And, you know, uh, you're just kind of nervous since Bob Diaco play was the defensive coordinator that if, if we struggled at all against them, it would look bad maybe on us for getting rid of him after a year. It may look bad on us offensively because he couldn't stop a runny nose the year he was here. Uh, but, no, I, you know, it, it felt fun to, to watch both offense and defense again. I, th- I think there's a commonality between the two wins that we have are, are big plays and points off big plays right at the beginning of the, of the game. So I think there's, there's something to be said about that. 
No, uh, Brandon, uh, I, I was going to kick it to Kyle. I kicked it to Kyle since he's kind of a resident Husker fan, but then our number two optimist has been Brandon. I was going to kick it to you next, but, uh, why does Kyle get to be the resident Husker yeah. fan? Like aren't we're all he, picks them, he, he picks them against Ohio state. We don't pick him just against because he's the one who always is going to have good stuff to say about him and not say they're numb to the Husker football program. Yeah. Like I said, on the last podcast, and and Brandon has since agreed with me, even though he didn't say it on air. Uh, we're both numb right now, and I guess Kyle's just like, "What do you you got us in the college football playoff, Kyle, or where are we headed?" <laughs> no, but I want to share for the listeners that uh, there was a text in our text tri- uh, thread where you could almost believe that Danny was kind of on the upswing. He said we were going to run the table, and we we're ready to really kick this thing off so uh i'll i'll keep i'll hold the crown just for a little bit longer i think danny is about ready to to come to hop over but brandon what what are your thoughts um i i liked the game i thought it was good the end of the first half i think i to that same uh, group text sent a kind of a profane uh lace text or something about the way we kind of ended the first half uh, with not running the ball, trying to get a little greedy, and then we end up hunting. And then, you know, I was afraid they were going to get a touchdown at the end. So I was a little bit mad about that. But then otherwise, I thought, you know, if I don't really care how they win, you know, I just I just want to win. And like what you said, Kyle, at the end, I was I was not upset about anything about the game at the end. I thought, man, we got to win. We got Minnesota coming up who doesn't seem to be very good. Not that I want to be, you know, and after every, after the other win this year, I was like, we're winning out baby. And then after the loss, I say, we're not going to win a game for the rest of the year. So I've been really kind of riding on the momentum train with this team uh, for the good times. And then I get depressed during the bad times, but I thought it was, a good victory. I was excited about it. And if we get a win here and if we get it on championship week, get to play a depleted Michigan Wolverines team and stick it to Desmond Howard's team and then uh, make a bowl game and win that. Then, then we have that momentum going into the off season. It helps with recruiting. People get excited about the spring game, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm, then I'm, ready for the next fall you know i something to end positive with so let's just keep that winning train rolling you know and this this is this is this is bowl week for me like you guys know my feelings about minnesota and pj flex so i'm excited for the for for this game me too all right so as we do move forward to to minnesota week if you would uh Again, multiple weeks of game canceled after game canceled. Uh, start off the season with a loss to Michigan. That was prime time. Tanner Morgan's back. Ibrahim, uh, their stud running backs back. They lost a lot on defense, but, you know, uh, P.J. Fleck had these guys rowing the boat in the right direction and kind of came out flat. Uh, Tanner Morgan has not had the season that he had last year. Ibrahim came out just, you know, thumping running for 300 yards against Maryland, but they don't even beat Maryland. Uh, They beat Purdue. They lose some close ones against like Northwestern and things like that. They get blown out by Iowa. So very much a kind of topsy-turvy season that we've seen from Nebraska. 
again, Danny alluded to his strong feelings of hatred towards the PJ flick. Um, but Danny, we'll start with you since uh, the uh, the standings are kind of not in your favor. But uh, do you have a prediction, Minnesota, Nebraska? Oh, easy. Nebraska, it's Nebraska win. By a, by a thousand, or I mean, see, you guys think I'm super negative about the Huskers. I I just feel like I'm passionate about it, and I feel like I'm I'm kind of a realist about who we are and where we're at right now. Um, I don't think I don't think we're very good, and to be honest, I don't think unless you're Ohio State, this season really means much of of anything for anybody in the Big Ten. Uh, the way that bowls are being canceled right now, I don't even think bowl season is going to be as as uh, as hyped or important as it has been. To me, like I said last time, I'm I'm just kind of numb. I don't think a a win is huge for us. I don't think a lose is anything to be or a loss is anything to be too upset about. Um, however, this is Minnesota week, and um, not to bring the '90s back because I feel like that's one problem we have as Husker fans is we want everything to be like it was in the nineties. Um, but I remember just laughing at Minnesota uh, the way that we used to destroy them and it, and um, traveled to a game that was in the Metrodome long ago and all the way driving there, just sort of disappointed knowing that, well, we'll probably only see the starters for like a half uh, because by the second half we'll, we'll put all these other guys in who I don't really know. Um, and it just it just kind of irks me that the way that that PJ arrived at Minnesota. I've said it before. He he had a reality show um, about him and his passion that he has for coaching and, and his team uh, before he ever coached a game at Minnesota. Just riding on the fame that he created for himself um, at his previous school, and that's what I think it is. Is is he's I don't know. I think he's creating he's creating fame and, and sort of eyes on himself. And I don't think that his, I don't think that it's all genuine. I think it's a look at me show. And I, I do enjoy looking at him uh, w when his team is not doing well uh, to not be able to beat Michigan in their first game. Um, I think it's funny because if you're, if you, if you're supposed to be one of the strongest teams in the, in the big 10 uh, this year, you should have been able to beat Michigan. Uh, he, he could only put up seven points against Iowa and then pretty sure the, the, the uh, officials handed him the Purdue game. And in the post game, he says something like, this is what row in the boat looks like. Like this is our, this is our dominant win that in reality that the refs sort of handed to you. So um, I know I've been down on our, on our Huskers. I know you guys think I'm negative, but, uh, but, but this week is Minnesota week and, and I'm, as excited I've, as I've been for a, for a Husker game in a long time. So um, it's, it's a Nebraska win. I don't care how many points it could be one. It could be, it could be 20. I don't really care. Um, I just, I just want Minnesota to be, to be losers at the end of this one. God, right, you're so laughing at me. What, what's the problem? I was just, I was going to pop in there and just remind that the listeners that we actually were talking about Minnesota and PJ Fleck. I know it got kind of confusing because Danny went into a little, Dabo Swinney uh, <laughs> talking there, but we're still talking Nebraska, Minnesota. I, I know it's confusing because characteristics kind of. Nope. Between it's PJ Fleck. It's the look at me show. It's Dabo's Dabo's a different kind of guy. He's got his own arrogance. He's got his own swagger about him, but you know, okay, here's the big difference. 
when I look at PJ Fleck and I look at Dabo Sweeney, the big difference that sticks out to me is national championships and, and conference championships, Kyle. No, no. There's, a, there's a big difference there. I know at Western Kentucky, I think, uh, I think PJ won a bowl game once or like maybe he had some wins, but there is a significant difference. Uh, Dabo's earned his, where was he? Western Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> yeah, they were rowing the boat up there in Western Michigan. He's wearing his dumb tie and now, uh, yeah, that to me that has been winning championships. There, there is one major difference, and you're right. The major difference is that PJ Fleck likes to wear the tight jackets and the tight ties, and Dabble Sweeney's always wearing that ugly, like oversized crew neck. Crew neck. Yeah, and that's nice, the only nice difference. Ball cap, nice crew neck. Yeah, like that's the only difference. Like. <laughs> Clemson is in a recruiting hotbed. Uh, Minnesota's in Minnesota. Like Minnesota's the only difference awesome is campus, by the way. So, but, I don't, if, no, I just I love listening to you. I'm trying to be passionate about the Huskers Fleck. winning, and you're trying to you're I'm, trying to I'm bring excited. me down. No, I'm resident excited. Resident Husker by. fan Kyle Milton does not like the Huskers this week. <laughs> don't, I just don't paint me in that box. That was what Andy said. I wasn't the one that's asking for that title, but I just love the fact that you love Davo Sweeney for the exact same reasons why you hate P.J. Fleck. National championships. That's the only – Win something, P.J., then sprint down the field. I'll never find that not funny. (laughs) All right. So, moving moving forward. uh, So, Danny did bring up a fact that the season doesn't matter for anybody but Ohio State, and I say on the contrary. Because the big, if the season didn't matter for anybody but the Big Ten, but Ohio State, the Big Ten would not have made the decision they did today or yesterday about uh, the changing of the the championship qualifications. So now Ohio State can finally make it in with playing four games or whatever it is, so that way it has a Big Ten championship in this COVID year. And what they want is the Ohio State to make it into that top four, so they can make the playoffs, so every school gets guaranteed money. And so they need all those games. They need that extra game. And so it does matter to all these other Big Ten schools because if without uh, Ohio State hey. making the top four, they don't get the extra $30 million per school. Teams like Minnesota Teams like Minnesota need the money. Nebraska's got plenty of money. <laughs> okay. Well, they're, they are building a $110 million football Paid complex for. next week. Donors, we got it. We were good in the 90s. <laughs> All right, but uh, much like Danny was saying, I do think Nebraska's going to win. P.J. Flex rowing the boats kind of hit some uh, tough waters in in their face this year. I am nervous, though, with uh, Ibrahim at running back. He ran all over Minnesota. Our run defense has been pretty dang good this year. Um, But if our offense doesn't help us out, uh, it's just kind of one of those where he's going to hit the wall, hit the wall, hit the wall, make a dent, make a dent, and then that hole is going to start opening up, and then he's going to start gashing. And so he's had plenty of games where he's had 35 rushes, and so they're not afraid to give him the rock four straight downs if they if they have to. And so um, I am a little nervous. Uh, our defense has obviously been the strength this year, uh, but you can only do so much if, it's, if, uh, if you're getting attacked multiple, multiple, multiple times in a row. And so – uh, I've got Nebraska. I do think it'll be closer than that 10 and a half or whatever it opened as. Um, I haven't seen what the, the 
uh, money line has done recently, but I was nervous at that 10 and a half to start. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts? Hopefully uh, the defense keeps playing well and hopefully the offense can get into some second and short situations. Uh, so that way we can just not have to worry about third down and hope that our quarterback scrambles for a uh, first down uh, off a broken play, which seems to kind of be our, our money play right there. But uh, you know, I think, I think Nebraska is trending in the right way right now. And they're going to be able to take advantage of a Minnesota team that I don't know how important football is to them right now. I think it's more important to Nebraska, the school that wanted to play this whole year, and uh, Minnesota probably, you know, just looking for any reason to be able to mail it in. And so I don't think they're going to they're gonna have the same level of passion as the Husker players. And I'm looking for a comfortable – Nebraska win. What do you mean by comfortable? What does comfortable sound like? Well, this year, comfortable would maybe be like five points or uh, six. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, just get a, get a touchdown and pull away with the game. Just take care of the ball, stop them, and uh, end every possession with the kick. Whether now, field goal, an seven. extra point or a punt. And they win. 17 last week against Purdue didn't feel comfortable the whole time. So I, I was just, that's why I was curious when you said five, I was like, that's, we've got to be up 35, get our, get our backups in because they deserve to play up 35. Not because we're subbing our second string quarterback, our third series of the game type of deal. I, I don't think there's anybody we play where we're comfortably getting our backups in, but did you, you, did you feel like there was some point where we weren't going to win it? Like, even though, even though it got tied, I, actually last week felt somewhat comfortable to me. I, I, I thought we were going to blow it at halftime when we fumbled that one, right? At, or they blocked the punt instead of just running out the clock and whatnot. It was just, I don't know. It just was that typical don't know how to play with the lead or whatever. But anywho, Kyle, last pick here. Let us know. You got Minnesota, correct? Yeah, quickly, I'll just make my pick of Nebraska. The The blocked punt just kind of reminded me of uh, something that grinds my gears because for as long as I can remember, Nebraska's always been, like, top-notch in the kicking game. And I think that's probably where we've fallen off the most between our punting game and our kicking game, like, like I used to just, you could almost chalk it up. Like we always had a, a kicker that was going to be kind of around that all conference level. Our punters were, were actually probably our most successful NFL position uh, kind of projecting to the next level in my God, between kickoffs, the kicking game has kind of settled down after the disaster it was last year, but he's only a grad transfer. So we might be in the same boat next year. But the punting game has been absolutely horrible. Like on the punt that got blocked, it looked like he was going half speed. That's not even counting the, the slow long snapper we had at the beginning of the year that couldn't even beat the ball down the field. And then I just kind of kind of spoke his, his accolades, but Cam Taylor Britt then has the terrible 15-yard penalty. Like the special teams game is probably where I think we're the most sloppy. And then just 
and just so you know, I'm just going to remind you, I did pick Nebraska, but uh, and, and as a New Orleans Saints fan who always hated the idea that they would bring Taysom Hill and bench Drew Brees in crucial parts of the game, I always hate, and I know Brand is a big proponent of this as well, I always hate the, the playing of two quarterbacks. Uh, I would rather go down in the blaze of gore, glory with with your starter because obviously that's the, that's the guy that you thought gave you the best chance of winning. Uh, I've always kind of leaned toward Martinez just because I, I do think he's a big body that uh, can take more of the hits that is a little bit more settled in the pocket. And I just want them to quit having this, these one or two series or these one or two plays where uh, they bring McCaffrey in. And like I said, I, it might lead to, to Martinez having two turnover or two interceptions and a, a lost fumble. But I think you just got to roll, roll with one guy and, and try to build on something because you can't get a, 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 a rhythm anywhere if you're always like, oh, shoot, this, is, this was my, my second series of the two. Now I'm going to get benched or – I know I'm not coming in next, so I might not get to to throw for another quarter and a half. Like I might I might read this different. I might make a different throw here. I might on this RPO I might do something that's different because I know I'm not going to play next series anyways. And that's the most frustrating part. Pick a guy. I don't care who it is. I prefer Martinez. Pick a guy. Finish the season with him. I I do agree with you. A couple things there. Um, I did. I did send a group message to to some group that I'm in about we do have a field goal kicker now. So just to mention, Culp was three for three with field goals of 25, 32, and 49. So at least we can feel confident that we can make field goals this year. But I I agree with you on the on the other kicking aspects. And then quarterback wise, I'm with you on Martinez. I think he's probably should be our starting quarterback. But it brings us back to the, what we talked about before. Um, even we played it, we played a game or maybe right after the first game is, uh, then, then what becomes a McCaffrey? He's a better football player than a lot of dudes that we have out there. So should we be going an entire game where he's only on the field for, for a couple snaps or is there, is there a place for him or a way that we should be utilizing him? Cause he's a darn good football player. Well, Kyle, uh, I mean, Dan, that's a great question. Uh, I think that's what everybody in Nebraska is asking uh, is how do we get the best 11 out there uh, like we can. But, Kyle, did you officially pick Nebraska this week? I just want to make sure I got that correct. Yeah, every once in a while I just got to get some things off my chest because they aren't perfect. I Just like your kids, you see the faults in your kids, but you still love them anyways. Uh, it all seems pretty negative about the Huskers this week. Yeah, I'm in, a, I'm, I'm in peril of losing my crown. I did have a question about that. We're going to obviously do bowl picks like we did last year. Is regular season and bowl picks a separate thing, or is this rolling right into our bowl picks? Is it all one thing, or is it two separate contests? You know what I'm saying? I kind of feel like it needs to be two separate. Be kind of like a regular season champ, postseason champ kind of deal like you do in um, in college basketball or or whatever, just so that way – because one is a marathon, the other is a little bit of a sprint. And so I think they've got to be a little bit separate. I'd also like to motion that we bring back the coin at any point in this. Yeah. 
We need also, baseline data. So that's just what we did this year. We need baseline data to see if anybody was hovering too much, 50%. Yeah, Danny, with the way your picks were, you were essentially were a coin. <laughs> I know. That's why I need, I need something, right at 500 I need something for so long. or someone to beat. So I'm just trying to gauge what I need to do here in the in the home stretch. Yeah, all, all I know is if, if – if the bull pickems this year go like the first year did or the season, I, I might just sit out because it's honestly it's not getting being any fun anymore. <laughs> winning all the time. All right, it is crazy. Moving. There's there's still uh, there's still games on Saturday. It should be championship season and bowl season, and we got regular season games. I know I know Brandon has a little uh, little gripe about that, but anyway, we moving on, Andy. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of alluding to two or three topics later down the road, man. Well, Always no, jump the, the show sheet to know. I, I understand. Uh, our second game this week uh, is a top 25 matchup. Uh, at the beginning of the year when it was only ACC talk, this was kind of Danny's team, North Carolina, against Kyle's team, Miami. Brown. And, uh, you know, North Carolina has only been offense whether it be through the air with uh, uh, Howell, Sam Howell, or with their two running back system who both have a chance to go over 1,000 yards in this game against Miami, uh, which is crazy for a tandem to both go over 1,000 yards in a, in a shortened season or a, a COVID year. Um, Miami has uh, definitely had uh, an offensive threat at quarterback with Eric King transferring from Houston. Um, but both of these teams kind of mirror each other. They both have wins that aren't really marquee past their due date. You know, they, they beat a Louisville team that at the time was ranked 15th, but Louisville is 2-6 and six or whatever they are. They beat a North Carolina State, but North Carolina State's 5-4 and four or whatever they are. And so at the time, they seem like good wins, but as the season progresses, you, you realize they've kind of fallen, fallen flat. And so North Carolina with a couple – Kind of bad losses. I think one to Virginia and a Florida State team who is who's pretty pretty bad and obviously looked good against Notre Dame, was it last week? But then Miami not really stumbling, but winning by a point here or a field goal there against teams that presumably they're two touchdown favorites. And so uh, this game is interesting to me simply for the fact of which team is the true number three in the ACC? Is it North Carolina, who's all offense and no defense? Is it Miami, who's been all year? You know, they're nine and one or whatever, but they win kind of in ugly fashion. And so um, I'm interested to hear what you guys, uh, your guys' take. Danny, we're, we're coming to you first, Mr. North Carolina here. Thoughts? Yeah, I do think it's kind of funny that uh, Miami was all we were talking about at the beginning of the year. Um, they're ranked 10th now and they've only lost one time, but it doesn't seem like we're, we're talking too much about them anymore. Um, and I will say I'm probably not as hot on North Carolina as I was at the beginning of the year. Y'all know the team that's really stolen my heart, uh, this season is coastal Carolina. So I want to give them a shout out. Uh, they're, they're playing against Troy two o'clock. You can watch it if you, uh, pay for ESPN plus, um, a 13 and a half point favorite there. But I do have to pick North Carolina. Um, I will offer a burrito bet to Kyle. Uh, we're back to even. Um, nobody owes any burritos after 
after my win last week uh, with a great pick that I made, uh, North Carolina is getting three and a half points, which, which I think I like. Um, I, think, I think they have a good offense. I think, like you said, Miami's played enough close games that they're, they're probably going to lose another one, and I think it's going to be this week. Um, I'd actually pick them straight up to win. Uh, but since Kyle's given me three and a half points, I, I think I'm going to take that three and a half points and a burrito next week. So appreciate that, Kyle. Uh, I kind of agree with you, Danny, uh, for the, all the same reasons you said. You know, they've won all these close games. North, North Carolina's playing good, at least comparatively to Notre Dame last week. Um, something's got to give. It might be North Carolina playing well. It might be Miami winning all those games by two, three, four points. Brandon? I think Miami's the better team, but historically, it seems like later in the year, Miami starts being less impressive and uh, not looking near as good. And uh, last year, the way that Mac Brown kind of finished off his season, you know, kind of trending well. So I'm actually going to go North Carolina for the win over this, but I don't know. It's it was real tough, real tough choice. You and you, you're not going to be watching this game. Just be honest, Brandon. Yeah, I got a. There's, I have a there's full a, there's slate going on, and uh, I have an itinerary uh, that I'll be sharing a little bit later. It's a real busy day. All right, Kyle, take us home. Yeah, big hurricane uh, fan, Kyle. <laughs> Uh, Danny, I think when you said that we kind of fell off of or not even really talked about Miami or really any ACC school is just how bad and how uninteresting the majority of the ACC is. Like I think when the early season slate was there, I think it was pretty top heavy in terms of when you got to the matchups. And now it, it's just teams with a lot of matchups against Pittsburgh and NC State yeah. and Virginia Tech and just teams that don't really move the dial for anybody, at least around here. Like I, I think it's crazy that Miami has kind of had a quiet one loss season, but uh, it's because the one loss they had was pretty convincingly to uh, to Clemson. And I think a completely different topic that we could have is the fact that that Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama seem to be kind of playing a completely different game than everybody. I don't think us as Nebraska fans should probably compare ourselves in any respect to Ohio state. Just like, I don't know if any Miami fans or any North Carolina fans should really compare each other to, to Clemson just because the gaps have grown too, too large. Uh, I'm going to take Miami just because I've been riding them all year long. And uh, De'Aaron King is could possibly be playing one of his, his last games in a Miami hurricane uniform. He could, he could still come back next year, but uh, I think he it probably just kind of depends on what his, his draft prospects look like. And more importantly, if, if he thinks he can come back and actually have a chance of maybe winning the Heisman and uh, having a national championship run. Uh, so I'm taking Miami. I do before we kind of jump and I know we were going to try to go short on others because we're going to try to kind of lay out for kind of the, the namesake of the podcast, but I, th I thought it was kind of cool. Like, uh, do you guys know uh, Florida's quarterback, Kyle Trask, who is uh, a 
maybe one of the favorites to win the Heisman. And De'Eric King, who also has eyes of, uh, winning the Heisman, were actually high school teammates. Like Kyle Trask used to back up De'Eric King. Uh, Kyle Trask didn't start a game since eighth grade. Like, like that's how crazy that high school is. His, he didn't start a game until eighth grade, and now is potentially a Heisman winner in the same state of his as his uh, first rounder, if you would. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of a cool fact. It's kind of starting to get bandied around because it's it's possible or uh, in terms of bowls, they if everything breaks right in both Clemson and Notre Dame make the uh, make the Final Four, it's possible that Miami and Florida could meet up in the Orange Bowl where it would be kind of a de facto game for Miami, uh, Miami versus Florida two high school teammates and two heated hated rivals going against each other. But that's for a podcast much, much farther. I think we got a, I think we got a game to talk about now. All right. Now real quick though, speaking of Kyle, you mentioned a great point kind of at the beginning, how we were all ACC all the time. And then as the season progressed, we kind of just filtered them out for a while. Uh, and you kind of hit it on the nail as all those marquee games kind of just went straight forward. Uh, combined, I think we've lost one or two games picking the ACC. And I think it's because we picked the same team uh, when Miami and Clemson played. So most of us, our only loss was taking Miami, Miami over Clemson or vice versa. And so, or Notre Dame over Clemson or vice versa. And so the only losses have been, have come in very slim picking. So uh, I think you may kind of have a good point there, Kyle. And lastly, the namesake for the pod We've got Army versus Navy. It's at Army at West Point this year, which is quite different. Uh, it's usually in Philadelphia, right, Brandon? Yeah, it's more at, often than not. At the Eagle Stadium. Yep, the link. The link, Lincoln Financial, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and so with COVID, they at least moved it to West Point, so that way fans from both teams can go because of some crazy federal ruling or whatever. Um, but this is right up Brandon's alley. He has been to the game, correct? Mm-hmm. Couple. How long ago was that? Uh, I would say it was. Uh, I don't know, maybe uh, sixteen or seventeen. So it's been a couple there. years. Yeah. But no better guy to come up with the podcast. No better guy to come up with the name. No better guy to break down the game to the man who has been to the game, who's got merch for Army, who's got merch for Navy, who lives for the Philadelphia Eagles on Sundays, then our main man, Brandon. Brandon, Army, Navy, break it down. Well, I tell you what, there's probably anybody could break it down better than me. These two uh, teams this year are just a mystery. But uh, I was trying to, you know, I am interested in the, in the Miami, North Carolina game and the Nebraska, Minnesota game, but I'm trying to look through the hours here of my day and I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to fit those things in. Uh, I put together a little itinerary here. So, oh, 600 hours, we have uh, Reveille going on and uh, getting that thing started out, waking everybody up. And uh, at about. Are you going to do that with a horn? Maybe kazoo, possibly kazoo. Uh, at 0700 hours, uh, I need to get the grill started. I'm going to go with some ribs for it. 
and uh, little Memphis style ribs. Uh, also the Army Navy special on CBS Sports, the replay will be that morning. So I'm, I may kind of be checking that out as well. Uh, then when we get up to, oh, 800 hours, we got ESPN game day, which is at Army Navy. So that'll be pretty cool to just to see the sights. It's the first time our, that game day has been to West Point, I believe, since around 2003 uh, for that. I mean, they go to Army Navy about every year, but uh, it's been a while since they've been to West Point. Uh, at about, oh, 900 hours, probably toss the football around. If it's not too chilly out, uh, Maddie likes to throw the ball around a little bit on Saturday mornings before games and stuff, so we kind of do that. So a little 0900-hour catch. Uh, once we get to 1100 hours, we have the march on, where all of the cadets and all the midshipmen uh, come in, do their formations, get inspected, do their cheers. It's a really awesome thing. If you ever go to an Army-Navy game, you have to get there super early so you can see that. that it's, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's kind of awe-inspiring. With it. Is, this, is this televised, Brandon, the March stuff? Yes, the March on will be on at 1,100 hours on CBS Sports. Okay. So, uh, you know, I know uh, most people in Nebraska will probably have some other things to watch, but it is kind of cool to tune in. Uh, and check out uh, they announce all of the people that go to the game and it's a big honor for those uh, people who get to have their names mentioned you know and there and sometimes you hear some North Platte Nebraska names on there it's kind of cool um, at 1200 hours uh, we're going to get the old Tudor electric football table out uh, from the uh, Army Navy plastic figures out and have a little simulation I'll uh, post some results of that on Twitter that morning. At about 12.30 hours, Army-Navy tailgate um, on CBS Sports. I'll probably need to check the grill, uh, see if there's any uh, breakage. Uh, do the old break test with the ribs. Uh, make Meathead, Barbecue Whisper, Goldwyn proud with that to check those out. And then at uh, 1,400 hours, check the grill again. Then we got game time. I think it starts a half hour later, but on uh, CBS, it has it listed as starting at 1,400 hours. Uh, the game will go through at the end. There's the uh, seeing second at the end of the game. You know, I'll probably listen to a little Army post game on the imgradio.com app on my phone. And at about 2,200 hours, taps. Uh, to kind of call it a day and get everybody ready for for lights out. Uh, so that's kind of what, what the schedule for me is going on for this. So maybe this game, you know, I, I hate to build this game up because chances are, you know, most people aren't going to think it's, it's, you know, important, you know, on, on the big college football landscape. And sometimes it's not even a real competitive game. And sometimes it's kind of sloppy, but the, just the idea behind it is why I get really excited about this. It's like Christmas Day for me in, in college football terms. And so uh, here's a few things that I think are cool historically. Um, obviously, the rivalry started, I believe, in 1890. But in 1893, Army-Navy game was attended 
by 8,000 people, which is kind of impressive for those days. There's been some years where over 100,000 have attended the game, which is pretty crazy. But in 1893, 8,000 people went. An Army supporting Brigadier General and a Navy supporting Rear Admiral got into a heated argument over a game that Navy ended up winning six and six to four. And uh, the argument got so bad that the two decided that they were going to have a duel, like a literal duel with guns at the uh, end of the game. Eventually, people thought maybe that's probably not, you know, the ideal thing in terms of sportsmanship or etiquette that one should follow during a game. Uh, so cooler heads prevailed and there was no shooting. But uh, the the series was canceled again until 1898 because uh, the president thought and some of the superiors thought maybe it was a little too intense. Yeah. Brandon, real quick, not to cut you off here, but I just got a live text in saying that uh, – some of the people in your family may not be getting up that early on a Saturday morning. <laughs> they may not be invested that much in this game. Well, if there's a trumpet being played at 6 a.m., I think they're all going to be up. I have a trumpet, and uh, <laughs> if it's played, they'll be up. Maybe, <laughs> maybe going to bed right after that, but it's happening. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's pending. This just in. Just came across the desk just moments ago. Uh, so another crazy thing in 1946 was one of the greatest teams Army ever had. Uh, actually, they got a share of the national championship, and it was what they claim as their third uh, national championship. They actually have like five total, but they only claim three of them. And uh, the, how did they how did they become national champions that year? Well, they tied Notre Dame, who was like number two at the time. And then, actually, Army lost to Navy that year, last game, last game of the uh, season. But they lost by outscoring them, twenty-one to eighteen. So uh, Navy was down, almost ready to score. They could have kicked a field goal uh, to tie it, last play of the game. They decide, hey, you know what? We're going to try to win this game. They don't get it, and the Navy carried their coach and the players off the field cheering and celebrating like crazy, like they won the game and, and army actually did in fact win, but there's a, sometimes they'll say like how Navy actually won in a loss. So that's kind of crazy between the two schools, five Heisman uh, trophy winners. That's pretty cool. Four national championships uh, claimed uh, national championships by not just like central Florida claimed, but like the actual writers and stuff of those times did it. So yeah, that's great. That was a long time ago. Uh, what's cool about it today? Well, one of the things is first time played at West Point since 1943. Um, Navy won that game, and then Army was national champions the next three years. Seeing Mikey Stadium with Navy painted in the end zone struck me as one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Has it ever happened in college football where – the home team had their fiercest rivalry's name painted in the end zone. In 1943, I did some Google image searching, and I found that they used diagonal lines. So uh, they didn't have the team's names back in those days. It was just, just the lines. But I thought that was kind of crazy. Army tweeted out some pictures, putting some bags and stuff, spilling out the word beat. 
uh, above the Navy end zone and posting it on to kind of taunt it at Navy, you know, for beat Navy. That was kind of clever. Uh, here's another kind of interesting, more modern day fact. As a result of a wager uh, between some high ranking officials on both sides, um, there was a news report uh, from 2018 uh, that the USS Jeff Munkin is going to be the next great Navy destroyer under construction at Hudson Shipyard in Highland Falls, New York. So there's actually going to be an impressive Navy battleship named after Army's head coach because of a lost bet uh, when Army won that game. So every time they'll be there, every, every victory it has in a battle or a war, Navy has to be thanking the USS Jeff Munkin. So that's pretty crazy. Um, Jeff Munkin and Ken Niamatololo, Navy's head coach, super close friends. It's, they both hate Troy Calhoun from Air Force's guts, hate his guts. They'll badmouth him any day of the week. But these two consider themselves brothers. Um, Ken Niamatololo was a quarterback at Hawaii in 1990 when Jeff Munkin was a grad assistant. And then Ken Niamatololo became a grad assistant. They coached there together. Um, and then they ended up under Paul Johnson at Navy. Uh, Ken Niamatololo became head coach. Jeff Munkin wanted the Army job and said one of the hardest things he had to do was not only leave his friend uh, who he's coached with during all these years and had all these great experiences with, but knowing that they were going to be rivals, you know. Uh, Ken Niamatololo said, I think last year or the year before, he said, this game's fierce, but we are so close. He said, when we're both retired, I'm going to have the Munkins over every year for the Army-Navy game for a luau at our place, and uh, we're just going to watch the game together. And, and they're super close. They consider themselves, like I said, to be, uh, to be brothers. So uh, that's kind of a cool thing with that. Uh, the things I'm looking for for the game. So game days there, Lee Corso, former Navy assistant, he always has emotional stories uh, to talk about with Navy. And my bold pick is maybe not this year because he's not going to be on the grounds, you know. But I think Lee Corso will announce his retirement one day at an Army-Navy game. That's something uh, – he's just super fond of it. He has a special jacket that they gave him that he wears and all that. Uh, so I think we'll see some emotional Lee Corso stories. He's going to, he always puts the goat on his head every single time. Um, the uh, commercials, the army versus Navy and the Navy versus army commercials always uh, jab at each other and all that. They're pretty good. Um, the prisoner exchange uh, before the game, they always have some people from army who are learning that year with Navy and Navy people at army. And then they exchange each other's prisoners and they have nasty mess, not nasty messages, but anti other team messages on the back of their clothes when they go over to the student section. That's pretty cool. Uh, president Trump's going to be there anytime the president's there is cool uh, because one half they watch it with one team and then at halftime they go over to the other side and sit with the other team. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm looking to see what kind of inflatables and shenanigans they have going around the tape around the stadium. Uh, they're always doing some kind of crazy stuff with that. Um, and obviously we have the old, the old uniforms, the tropic lightning and the ocean camo. 
which are always like when you talk about something telling a story and the amount of detail they put in, oh, the Navy uniform has this many stripes. Oh, the marble has these colors, the marble uh, appearance of the helmets and, and how just all the lengths that they go to make every detail uh, symbolic to, uh, you know, to that team, to that institution. So that's pretty cool. Um, Kyle mentioned earlier, we're not a big fan of quarterback rotations. Well, I got to tell you what, you're not going to have to worry about these two teams alternating two quarterbacks because these two teams have played a combined 10 quarterbacks throughout this year. I've never seen anything quite like it with them. There's been, I think, seven starters between these two teams. That's unbelievable. Um, just, it just really blows my mind. So uh, that's kind of a unique thing. So I don't even know who's going to start quarterback for either team. And whoever starts, there's a good chance they're not going to finish it. So uh, something to keep in mind. Army has a couple fullbacks that they – well, they have a lot of fullbacks. But uh, Jacoby Buchanan really emerged into their kind of leading rusher. He's a huge, just battering ram. Uh, they would prefer to use him later in the games to wear him down, but he tends to uh, run a little bit better throughout the whole game. So uh, I think they would prefer to have him be a later down in the game kind of a back, but he he plays a lot more, and I think he has the most carries of the skill position guys um, for that. Another thing is they have Santa McCoy who's their other fullback. They would like to start with him. But Santa McCoy leads the team with 10 touchdowns, which is weird. So they get down to the one-yard line, and they don't always use the, the bigger fullback for that. Tyrell Robinson is a halfback who's – he's the fastest, most explosive guy they've had on their team in a long time. Like, he's, he's a legit a skill position guy, not just going to Army because, you know, he could, he could play for a lot of different schools. And he's pretty exciting. Uh, on defense, they have Johnny Nation Radigan, who is a, a new starter for them. He plays linebacker. He's also a Buckus and Benaric Award finalist. And they have good secondary who's good at creating turnovers. And uh, I look for them to make some good plays. Special teams, I think they lead the nation with blocked kicks, though – it's very common to see him be blocking punts, extra points, field goals. Uh, sometimes on the return game, it's a little scary to watch them return kicks in punts, you know. But um, as far as if they get it blocked ahead of time, they're pretty good at that. Uh, Navy seems to be showing a lot of favoritism toward – not favoritism, but a lot of confidence, I guess, in uh, their freshman quarterback, Xavier Arline. He's one of the top lacrosse players in the country and wanted to go to a few other kind of big-name schools, and they said, no, you're not going to play lacrosse and football. Are you kidding me? And the Navy said, yeah, sure, man, if you want to come here. Uh, Kenya Matsalolo likens him to a Malcolm Perry and Keenan Reynolds, uh, both of those guys who are obviously experienced a lot of success against Army. Uh, they also have a couple good fullbacks with Nelson Smith, and Jamal Carruthers. So how's this game going to go? I think Navy's offense is a little better at uh, being balanced. You always go into this game thinking it's just going to be run, 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 run. 
but then you're kind of surprised that they throw it a little bit more. And Army, they're going to try to pass it too, and their pass pro is terrible. Maybe one of the worst pass protection teams I've possibly ever seen in my life. And then uh, Navy, they can they can keep the defense off the quarterbacks on those play actions with those double moves with the receivers uh, to make big plays down the field. So, And Navy's actually been pretty good when they've gotten the pass game rolling this year. They're not so good at running. Uh, but I think Navy's offense is a little better than Army's. I think Army's defense is a little better than Navy's. I think Army's special teams is a little bit better than Navy's. So what it's going to come down to, and Jeff Munkin is maybe my favorite coach in all of college football, all of college football, all divisions. He's super energetic. He's fiery. He's really good at building programs. He's one of the most, you know, emotions on a sleeve coach you'll ever find. And uh, he will also do, I'm going to put in over under at three, okay? Three head scratching WTF kind of moments <laughs> where like, what on earth are you doing? And I think Army's going to have a lead. I think they're going to kind of be in command of the game. And then where they could have just put it away was just some common sense. Munkin's going to do some crazy stuff. You know, it'll, they'll be on their own 25-yard line, and he's going to go for it on fourth, and it's going to get stopped. And then they'll give Navy a, a garbage score. I mean, it's it's the craziest thing to ever watch, and it's it's nerve-wracking. And so I think Jeff Munkin is going to put Army in some situations to where bad things are going to happen. And uh, – Army's going to lose. I want Army to win. You know, I love both teams. Um, I think Army has the better team. They have a better record, but they played easier opponents. Navy's played tougher opponents, you know, and so they've um, had a lot more points put up on them. Uh, Army, though, has played a lot of triple option teams this year, uh, you know, with the Citadel and with Georgia Southern and, and some other schools. So uh, typically they don't like to play that many. And – It'll be. I know they're going to lay everything on the line, but I think a little bit in the back of both teams' mind is who is going to win this commander-in-chief because for the first time ever, the end of this game, the winner's not going to – you know, the commander-in-chief isn't going to be presented uh, because Army plays Air Force rematch next week. So that's a little bit crazy. So lots to think about for it. Uh, at the end, with the Sing Second tradition is awesome. There was a college football historian named Bino Cook and uh, I didn't really like him back in the day, but I was watching a documentary the other day, and Bino Cook was talking about at the end of the Army-Navy game, if you ever go and you hear the sing second, at that moment in time, it's going to come into your mind as you're crying, you know, that there's no other place in the world you would rather be at that time. And when, he, when I saw that, I was like, that's exactly what was going through my mind uh, when we went to the game, and it was happening, and I I have like 2% of my battery on my phone left and I'm trying to record these. I'm like, come on, just last a little bit longer. And uh, I remember at that time I was like, man, if this could last forever, uh, I would make this moment last forever if I possibly could, because it's just, it's the most greatest sportsmanship. And like at the beginning of the game, when they had the, uh, the pastor give the opening game prayer, I teared up during that. It was like one of the most, most, emotional things I ever heard at the end of the game they're doing the thing and you see all these players like 
Army and Navy arms around each other. There's been several times where uh, players on opposite teams were high school teammates uh, in during the history of this of this rivalry, and you see them finding each other, and you know, eye black streaming down their face, and just they're they're super sad. The losing team just feels total remorse as they're. There's not many college football players know the words to their fight song, you know, and these guys are singing uh, their song to, you know, to their side as the losers. And then they have to go to the other side and people are jumping up, super happy, going up into the crowd. Uh, all, I don't know if that'll be happening this year with uh, it. It probably will. I, I mean, you, I don't know if you can stop it or not with this, um, but it's like, you know, cook, nailed it when he said that like it when you're there like i i want to go again and uh not a matter of if but when i mean just to experience the whole thing it's it's really cool so yeah i'm going navy with the upset in this Ooh. yeah all right so brandon gosh great job mix of everything there with your schedule with the history of the game from 1942. Uh, one thing I always find interesting when you think about Army and Navy in the 1950s, 60s, and even maybe even into the 70s, I don't know, I may be stretching it there, but how dominant these football teams were because they have what you said, five, six Heisman Trophy uh, winners between them. You have multiple national championships between them. And just to see how far uh, football has come and to see that this game is more celebrated because of what they uh, give up after the game of football than what they do during their four years at Army and Navy, I think says a lot about uh, just the game in general. But uh, Danny, Army, Navy, anything to add? I know you dug deep uh, into this game because you care so much about seeing second podcast. What do you got for us? Uh, actually, I want to I want to throw everybody a little uh... – little tip here and go to tropic lightning dot football. Um, I, I think over the years, one of the coolest things about this game that maybe Brandon didn't mention uh, is simply the uniforms. Um, one of the things that I've enjoyed most about doing this podcast is learning about or having my eyes open to stuff in the college football world that maybe I wasn't always aware of. And, and this is certainly one of those things. Um, Brandon does a good job of bringing some, some unique pers perspectives uh, you know, to those types of things, but go to tropiclightning.football. Um, it gives you the whole story behind, um, tropic lightning is the, is the, you know, Pacific unit, uh, of our army. It tells the full story of everything. It talks about, uh, the, the uniforms that you're going to see the electric strawberry, um, logo on the helmet, uh, is actually a, a leaf with a lightning bolt on it. Um, these uniforms are just are just super cool. I do think Army has the edge um, over the past handful of years on Navy in, in uniforms. I think Brandon might disagree a little bit. I think he he likes maybe maybe the Navy, but the other other cool thing is you can go back through their archives on this site um, all the way back to 2016 and look at all the different uniforms and kind of see the theme that they've gone with. They're all dedicated to, to something different and they're all super cool. So, um, uh, you know, I, I've been into army simply because of the way that Brandon talks about them and the other, um, football teams of our armed forces. Uh, so, so I'm going with them 
them for the win. Uh, Danny, I agree with you. I'm going Army. Uh, and I kind of go back to that Cincinnati game where Cincinnati's still sitting at, like, what, number seven in the in the playoff poll and whatnot. And just how, yeah, they didn't match up great against Cincinnati. It ended up being a 14-point win for Cincinnati. But Army couldn't do anything offensively, but defensively held a Cincinnati team who clearly is in the top ten uh, to, you know, 28, 21 points or whatever it was. And so – uh, I'm going to go with Army because I don't know what Navy is. Navy some weeks shows up and looks like they don't even want to play. And, uh, yeah, they play in the American, and so they play the SMUs. They play the Houstons with those high-powered offenses, and they play a lot of different styles of offense. Um, but they're giving up points like nobody's business. And they'll they'll come back and score some points. They're down 28 points to Tulane at halftime in like a monsoon and then end up winning 42-36 or something crazy like that. And so Navy, I think, is just all over the place. Army, uh, even though Jeff Munkin is kind of a wild card, he's kind of your Mad Hatter, Les Miles type, if you would, and making some boneheaded choices that sometimes work out great, other times leave you, leave your head scratching. Um, but just consistency-wise, I feel like Army – even though they don't have a quarterback who is rushed for more than 200, 300 yards like they normally do, but Navy's in that same boat. Fullback-wise, neither team has a fullback that's, you know, in that 1,000-yard range like they always do. And so this team on both sides is so unique because they've all, they both have played five quarterbacks. Five quarterbacks have at least registered a pass, which I've never seen in any game, let alone – 10 combined between two teams. And so uh, I just feel like in a game like this where both coaches know each other so well, both teams know each other so well, uh, defense is going to make the difference. And I trust Army's defense over Navy's defense. And, you know, you just got to score one more point than the other team. I think that's Army. Kyle, Mr. First Place, bring us home. Yeah, I'll see most of my time in because – one of the things that I like about this is the passion that people can have for specific games or specific teams, and this is obviously his. Um, I was trying to decide going back and forth. It's hard for me to pick uh, against Navy because I do really love their coach. I'm not – I don't know how many times Brandon had to practice his last name so it could just come <laughs> off like – so he could just rattle it out as easy as he does, but – uh, I'm going with Army. I don't know. I just decided I was going to pick pick this game based on which set of uniforms that I liked more because they are, I think, close. And this whole game's, to me, built around the mystique and the pomp and circumstances around everything. And to me, the game is almost secondary with, with everything else. And we talked earlier about how there seems to be some animosity with these two schools and Air Force. But between these programs and these coaches, there's no animosity. I think it's 100% respect. And so it's fun to just kind of see that on display. So I'm going to take Army. I love the idea of their, their uniforms and the, the, the wolfhounds that they're going to be emblazoned all over the place. I'm not going to lie, the, the white wolf on the shoulder stood out. I thought of you when I saw that. Because uh, got I'm, about huge, to, I'm about to make a hoodie purchase with that on the front of it right now. Huge, huge Game of Thrones. So it, it was hard not to think of Jon Snow and, and Ghost and 
like that was all I needed to kind of to send me over the top. So I'm taking Army. All right. So there you have it. Um, just to recap quickly, we all picked Nebraska. Uh, the North Carolina-Miami game, Kyle has Miami, but the three of us have North Carolina. Uh, in the Army-Navy game, Brandon has Navy, where the three of us have Army. So there's a chance where us low-life, Danny and I, can hop up a game or two on uh, on the guys ahead of us. And so we can maybe inch a little bit closer going into the last week of, of that season. Uh, and in typical Andy fashion, because I think I have a one-game lead on Brandon, and we're different on two of the three games, we could have a flip, or <laughs> things could stay the exact same way as what they've always been. Well, uh, and so every time I make that up, you say that, and guess what happens? <laughs> we split, and nothing yeah. changes. And so, uh, I honestly thought about just you know just taking the coward's way out because Brandon has to pick before me. And if I just continued to pick the exact same team Brandon did, I'd essentially guarantee myself a victory here. But uh, what's the fun in that? And we're, we're opposite on, on two games and then we're riding together with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So should be a fun little weekend. Yeah. And so there you have it. And, uh, again, as we inch closer to that one-year anniversary, we appreciate everybody who reaches out through Twitter. Um, you know, the retweets, the mentions have, have started to climb and keep that going. And we're always interested in, you know, reading the stats of who's following us and who's retweeting and liking our things and stuff like that. So it's been really neat to see the Sing Second Podcast Nation grow. You know, and, at, you know, as we get to the namesake of our, of our podcast with this Army-Navy game, you know, it's, it'll be fun to watch the festivities if that's what you're into. If you're into just the game, it's always going to be a great game. Uh, if you're in, into all the storylines that go into it, too, it's, it's just a fun weekend, even though usually there's just one game, you know, and you've got some marquee games alongside of it. But if you can take some time out to really focus on that Army-Navy matchup, please do so. Um, but shoot, one, one team is going to sing second this weekend. And we'll see who it is. We'll talk to you next week.